3: I'm here to level the playing field for all investors. There's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise to help you find it. Mad Money starts now. Hey, I'm Kramer. Welcome to Mad Money. Welcome to Cray America. I'll be one of my friends. I'm just trying to make you some money. My job is not just to entertain you, but to educate and teach you. So call me at 1 800 743 CBC or tweet me at Jim Kramer. It's not just a reopening, it's a reopening in a country that is flush with cash. On a day where the Dow slipped 267 points. Sell, sell, sell. S&P shed 0.85%. No, no! no. And the NASDAQ, well, it only went down 0.56%. The house of
4: pain. you got
3: to remember that shopping is America's national pastimes. Never changed, even during the pandemic. And we've got to focus on that on an otherwise nasty day, or else we'll lose sight of how to make money here. You see, you just can't stop an American consumer. A pandemic can't stop an American consumer, especially one with a clean balance sheet and a desperate hankering to leave the house. Yep, after over a year of house arrest, we're finally scot-free. But Wall Street doesn't get it. They don't get it because most money managers are incredibly out of touch with the everyday American. We keep getting tremendous retail numbers, yet these multi-billion dollar managers can't figure out what's going on. For example, they can't imagine that people would be eager to go to Walmart, even though that's the first destination for hundreds of millions of shoppers. However, if these money managers ever bothered to visit a Walmart, they would know that we're seeing a massive amount of spending on groceries, apparel, and leisure items at these clean, bright stores, well-supplied and well-kept. Walmart did well on hard lines. They did well on seasonals. It's the place where people go when they've got some money, but they don't want to break the bank. Most Wall Street guys can't get their head around this because the industry is full of, no- of just terrible snobs. They would rather be caught dead than in a Walmart just as important, unlike most retailers we've heard from its earnings season, there was no belly aching from Walmart about its supply chain, a rising cost that they can't pass on to the consumer. Hey, Walmart's got tremendous scale. This is when it matters. It immunizes them against many of these problems. Now, I know the stock of Home Depot got hit today because while it reported some amazing same-store sales numbers, there were too many analysts who didn't like what's called the cadence of the quarter, the way it went from month to month. Magic also let slip that May is a little weaker than the previous months. Ooh, that's bad. May is a big gardening month. So it didn't seem to matter that the same store sales were up 31%, a staggering number. Of course, that number was considered somewhat inflated because of the ridiculous escalation in the price of lumber, which has since begun to come down. Listen, I get it. Today, we got a weaker than expected housing starts number down 9.5%. That ruined the housing narrative. Paint was weaker, too, according to Home Depot. But I don't think that reflects genuine weakness in the consumer. I just think we're seeing an important pivot from people spending their money on remodeling to people spending their money On everything else, we also got some numbers from Macy's. The same store sales were good, but the real focus for me was the best performing segment. Luggage. Yeah, luggage. America's are going places again. They're also buying jewelry and watches and perfume. Now, you can focus on the stocks or the stores themselves. I think Walmart down 10 points from its highs is a gift for you. I suspect the analysts who, again, are not drawn to Walmart maybe didn't realize how important the millions of vaccines offered there would be to luring in shoppers. I expect many upgrades in the next coming days. Listen, you underestimate Walmart at your own peril. Two weeks ago, I went to my local Walmart for a fishing pole, and I came back with jackets, hats, boots that were so good and so cheap that I couldn't believe my eyes. You know what it was like shopping in Walmart? It was like going to a foreign country. With an incredibly weak currency, and just walking aisle to aisle till your carts filled, and then you get to pay with powerful greenbacks to the register. On top of that, for weeks on end, we've heard that Walmart's e-commerce division was doing poorly. Turns out that was dead wrong. Walmart proved today that there's room enough for both Bentonville and Amazon. How else can you play this resurgence? Have luggage, will travel. I've got three ideas for this one. Norwegian Cruise Lines, yes, which finally got the CDC to check off on cruising. That pent-up demand here is enormous, and the stock's still way down, even as it's had to take on a ton of debt. Second, Las Vegas is a natural place to go now that we can get uh, can travel again and don't need all sorts of passports to go to places with multiple PCRs. Vegas, Vegas can work. There, I like Wynn Resorts. Why? We had them on last week. They seem to know what they're doing. Third, I remember two weeks ago. Third, I like Disney. Now it's been de-risked by the alleged shortfall in Disney Plus subscribers and a conference call that made me feel like hmm, maybe my trust should have sold. Don't get me wrong. Disney Plus is important, but it's not as important as theme parks, movies, and cruise ships going back to normal. Hey, speaking of movies, you might think AMC's run too much because it's a meme stock that's being manipulated upward by the Wall Street Bets crew. I disagree. I think AMC's up because it's safe to go back to the movies again. This is the last man standing. Oh, by the way, the Wall Street Bets people want, uh, they want to prove that they can drive the stock to the 20s and they're crazy enough to do it. Next up, the strength and fragrance. Ulta Beauty reports next week. Ah, you can play Ulta. Just a second. I think Estee Lauder is even better. We just bought more from my channel Trust. You can do that by following, find out why we did by joining the ActionLersPlus.com club. Again, like Wynn, Norwegian Cruise and Disney, its stock is down. I'm giving you stocks that are down because those are the better opportunities. Finally, I want to highlight one that really got taken to the woodshed yesterday, Airbnb, which told a great story in its conference call for everything except for International, but then unleashed about 155 million shares, a huge amount, so the stock just got we just got crushed yesterday. I think you have to buy some now while the offering is still settling. The smart institutions know to buy this one, and when it's down and out, many, uh, maybe because money managers actually use the Airbnb, they will buy some. Now, I I know today was hard to read. I we had rallies in many Wood stocks, the high growth names beloved by Kathy Wood, the redoubtable money manager whose name is synonymous with a certain kind of com- incredibly overvalued stock. When I talk about the Wood stocks, I mean stocks like Palantir, Zoom Video, Unity Software, and a bunch of other. Inex- uh, very expensive tech names. The uh, cybersecurity place got fire too, another expensive group that tends to go up when commodity prices go down, like lumber and oil did today. This market certainly works in strange ways, doesn't it? Oh, and of course, ATT. ATT was down again as their executives and board members are accusing the widows and orphans and grandmas who own the stock of being foolish short-term thinkers. Yeah, because they don't want the dividend to get resized. I wish ATT would just admit they screwed up when they bought Time Warner. Uh, but corporate America hates admitting fault. No one ever makes them except for maybe here. Ban executives cover for each other all the time. You know, they laugh all the way to the bank. That's exactly what's happening here. Now, I'm not saying the people who run AT&T are snickering at their shareholders between sips of Dom Perignon and Wellfleet Oysters. I would never say that. That menu's too tasteful. If AT&T management is snickering at you, they'd be doing it over Cristal and Malpex. Trust me. But the big story today is the simple acknowledgement that many Wall Street analysts and money managers are totally out of touch with the American consumer, or those who seek income like stocks like they mistakenly did from AT. <laughs> The Wall Streeters have no idea what tens of millions of people are doing with their stimulus checks, not to mention all the money they've saved up over the last 15 months, because there's been very little to spend it on. The bottom line, the baton is now being passed from the stay-at-home names to the travel and leisure plays. I think it's not too late to bet on the transition, especially since Wall Street's been so behind the curve. When it comes to the real story, if you want to take the pulse of this market, all you have to do is go to the mall or the nearest shopping center, or just Walmart and see what regular people are doing with their money. It's not that hard, unless you're the kind of snob who refuses to set foot inside a Walmart and are much the worse for it. Allen in Florida. Allen. Jimmy Cho, I have a number one seed 76ers booyah to you. Well, that's a correct, uh, correct appellation, but that's seven and nine and eight and ten. I don't know. I got to go back and take calculus to figure out who we're going to play. What's going on? Well, yesterday, App
4: Harvest announced their global growth strategy. They're going to continue to build massive indoor greenhouses that utilize robotics, artificial intelligence, and proven ag tech software. But now they're also going to license out their ag tech operating system to indoor farms all over the world. App Harvest team will serve as the control center to help manage the technology for farms that would not otherwise have the required expertise. This would allow thousands of indoor farms to use the best ag
3: tech technology. Is this new licensing model a game changer for App Harvest? Well, I think the problem is, of course, that this this is a crowded area now. There are a lot of companies doing what they're doing. Uh, So, I mean, I think it's okay. We had one on just last night. Hi. Uh, Hi, Farm. And here's my problem with it overall. I think that it's a great idea, but we need to have more more states legalize and legalize now, and I don't think you're going to see a bunch until later on in the year. So I keep your powder dry. I want to go to Jeff in Texas, please, Jeff.
2: Booyah from Texas. Booyah, Love Jeff. Show. Love the enthusiasm. Sure, trying. One my, What's up? One of my largest positions is in Boeing. I have been buying on the dips with an average price of two twenty-five, but I haven't heard any news of significance lately. Do I think I it's going more, to be a bad quarter.
3: My travel trust owns it, but I think it's going to be a bad quarter. Why? Because the execution is so terrible that, you know, who's going to buy a plane when the plane is sidelined? So B- Boeing has to get its—they have to get their execution down. They have to, or the next quarter is going to be bad, too. My travel trust owns it, taking a little bit of a beat down here, going to stick with it, probably goes lower, and then goes higher. All right, the ton is now being passed from the stay-at-home names to the travel and leisure plays. And I've got to tell you, please go to a Walmart. You will be quite surprised. The grocery aisle, by the way, is fresh as can be. Oh, man, buddy, tonight, I'm sitting down with the CEO of Raytheon after the company's investor day to find out if the company can defend your portfolio. And what does the market's Beer Index. Tell us about its next move. Tonight, I tracked down the technicals to find out what's to come. And amid the broader rally for retail stocks over the course of the past six months, one of those remarkable moves has come from Cigna Jewelers. The CEO joins me tonight. So stay with Kramer.
5: Don't miss a second of Mad Money. Follow at Jim Kramer on Twitter. Have a question? Tweet Kramer. Hashtag Mad Tweets.
0: Visibility at indeed.com slash mad money. Just go to indeed.com slash mad money right now and support this show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash mad money. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
3: As we get ready for the world to go back to, say, near normal, the airlines have started placing some orders for new planes to handle the coming boom in travel. And that's been fabulous for all things aerospace, including Raytheon Technologies. That's a company created when United Technologies merged its aerospace and defense business with the old Raytheon a little over a year ago. Today, the company held its Investor Day, where Raytheon issued some excellent long-term forecasts. Now they're talking about 6% to 7% compound annual revenue growth, coupled with massive margin expansion. Given the terrific guidance we got uh, when the company reported last month, I think this is an amazing story. And I'm glad the stock pulled back a bit so you can get into it. So let's take a closer look with Greg Hayes, the CEO of Raytheon Technologies, to hear his Investor Day pitch directly. Mr. Hayes, welcome back to Made Money.
1: Good afternoon, Jim. How are you, sir?
3: I am good, Greg, and I hope you're the same. Always. Uh, I am looking at a series of projections you made, and you either, despite the pandemic, despite all the crazy things that are going on, either affirmed or raised every goal and gave us some 2025 guidance when companies are hesitant to give us 2022 guidance. Where does your conviction come from?
1: Well, yeah, you know, Jim, it's it's pretty simple, right? We have we operate in very resilient markets. If you think about defense, we know this, there'll be some solid, if modest, growth for the next five years. We see what the budgets are, we see what the threat environment is, and we know we've got this backlog um, of about $150 billion today that gives us confidence. The same on the commercial aerospace side. Traffic is coming back. I think yesterday we saw about 1.8 million people tra- cross the TSA thresholds at the airports. That's about 70% of the way back. So we know people are, are going to start traveling again and we're highly confident that by the end of, if not next year, the end of 23, uh, people will be back in the, air, in the air. They'll be traveling again and it should be business as usual. And then after that, I think we'll probably see the, the kind of the normal 5% growth in air traffic that we've seen for the last 60 years. So Highly confident uh, because of the markets, because of the backlog, and because of the technology we can bring to bear here.
3: Now, you were talking about uh, some substantial increases in returning capital to shareholders. Once again, is that just because this company turns out to spew a lot more cash than we thought when you put it together?
1: No, look, we always knew that we were going to be a cash-generating machine once we got the integration of the two businesses, and once we we got down to to work in terms of taking out structural costs. What we said today is we expect to see by 2025 about 10 billion plus of free cash flow annually. Uh, we also told investors today that we're going to return uh, 20 billion plus of capital to them in the first four years after the merger. So both of those uh, revisions upward from what we originally thought, but really just uh, demonstrates the confidence we have in in the businesses and our ability to deliver.
3: Well, I read a piece of research this uh, weekend from a very good firm, which pointed out that you are now the country's largest industrial and people want to own industrials. At the same time, you own two other industrials under the roof of United Technologies. You had Carrier and Otis. From what you said, you thought that if everyone were laser focused, which I know is a cliche on Wall Street, that everybody would do better. It, that is pretty much exactly what happened, isn't it?
1: Yeah, it's actually it, it's amazing to see um, the the value that we created by simply spinning out two very wonderful public companies, in Otis and Carrier. I think if you if you look uh, today from where we were a year ago, uh, both or both of those stocks are up significantly, as is Raytheon Technologies. And again, focus unlocks value because management is not distracted. And I think, again, what Dave Gitlin's doing at Carrier, what Judy Marks is doing at Otis, is exactly that. They're focused on their business and their business only. They don't have to worry about what's going on across the conglomerate where they really don't have a lot lot of input.
3: At the same time, had you not merged with Raytheon, the core United Technologies Aerospace might have been far more hostage to commercial. And you might have been like some of the other companies that we see in commercial that are frankly now serial underperformers.
1: Yeah, look, it was uh, fortuitous uh, that uh, Raytheon and uh, UTC's Aero businesses came together last April. Obviously, um, we had some very tough actions we had to take last year. We, we cut about two billion plus in costs. We did about four billion in cash conservations, and even with that, the two Aero businesses, commercial Aero businesses, were break even at best last year. So, you know, having the the ability and the the heft of the Combined balance sheets gave us the opportunity to continue to invest through the pandemic. So as we're coming out the other side now, uh, we don't have to rebuild. We have the team in place, we have the technology in place, and we're going to be hitting on all cylinders as the markets come back.
3: Now, let's go over the strategic investments to drive long-term growth with revenue synergy pipeline estimated over $10 billion. You're talking about secure connected ecosystem, autonomy and artificial intelligence, power and precision sensing. These are all, I think, long-term concepts that really don't have some sort of uh, any cyclicality whatsoever.
1: Well, look, the, the things that we make, the solutions that we offer, the technologies that we have, uh, they're not um, something that just comes off the shelf. These are highly engineered, precision engineered systems and solutions that we like to say solve some of our customers' most difficult technological problems. And these are 30-year franchises. You think about the, the Patriot uh, defense system, uh, 30 years old, uh, being upgraded now uh, for another 30-year run. It's probably got a 35 to $40 billion revenue runway. You've got uh, the long-range strike. You've got the next-generation interceptor go on and on, um, but these are phenomenal technologies that we can offer to our customer a solution that nobody else can.
3: One last thing, did I see uh, your work from home? You're gonna let people work from, 50% work from home? Great, I mean, you, you're not that much of a work from home guy.
1: <laughs> well, it's, it's funny, I, I think uh, my, my dog enjoys me being home a lot more than my <laughs> wife does, um, but uh, <laughs> No, look, I think that what this pandemic has shown us in in all honesty is that you you can be productive in varying work environments. I still think you have to be in the office occasionally. You have to build social capital. You have to build that team esprit de corps. But you don't have to have an hour commute every single day uh, to be productive. So we're going to give our people flexibility. Um, We've got 32 million square feet of office space across the enterprise today. Our goal is to get rid of about 25 percent of that, to allow uh, people to come to work when they need to, um, but if you don't need to be at work, if you can work remotely and work efficiently, that's just fine too. So we're going to give people flexibility and that's going to help a lot in terms of retention as well as I think about the goals that we have around diversity and trying to keep young women in the workforce. This type of flexibility is absolutely essential.
3: Well. You know what? You're the first person who has just laid it out like that. And I think that that's really important because I want people to feel like they don't need to be slaves to the office because maybe they're not going to be as productive in that car two hours a day. Not doing anything for you. Anyway, congratulations on a successful investment day and for all the changes that you made, which really did pan out better than you even anticipated. Thank you so much. Greg Hayes. Thank you, Jim. Yep, CEO of Raytheon Technologies, RTX largest industrial, and take a look on a day like today. Even with a great analyst, it held it held in, even though all the industrials went down. This is the kind of stock you want. Stay with Cramer.
5: Coming up, join us off the charts and send fear running for cover. Kramer walks through the valley of the Bix,
2: next. The spirit of performance defines Acura, and now it's electric. Introducing the all-electric ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. While what powers their cars may change, the energy that makes Acura never will. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com.
0: Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. It offers flexible spending capacity that adapts to your business. You can also earn up to $395 in annual statement credits on eligible purchases at select business merchants. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com/businessgoldcard.
3: After last week's roller coaster action, we need to get a better sense of where this market might be headed. That means taking our emotions off the table, consulting the technicals, which is why tonight we're doing a special off the charts with the help of Mark Sebastian. Now, he's a brilliant technician who's the founder of OptionPit.com, as well as being my colleague where I blog at RealMoney.com. Mark's our resident volatility expert, and right now he thinks we could be looking at potentially a meaningful sell-off at some point in the next two to six weeks. Why? Well, it's all about the CBOE volatility index, or the VIX for short, which we know is the fear gauge. Take a look at the pair of charts. This is going to be a little analytic here, but that's Sorry, bear with me. S&P 500 versus the volatility index. OK, in a healthy market, these two things tend to move in opposite directions. That makes sense, right? When the S&P goes up, healthy market, right? The VIX is supposed to go down, less fear. And when the S&P goes down, the VIX is supposed to go up, more fear. Anytime that relationship falls apart, it tells you there's something suspect, something lurking about the market's recent trajectory. Now, for the first three and a half months of the year, the VIX behaved rather normally. We had the roaring stock market, okay SP going up, and we had the volatility index uh, slowly and steadily working its way lower. All makes sense. While there were a couple of hiccups, Sebastian says the general trajectory looked pretty good. I like that. But then look what happened since mid-April when the VIX bottomed at 16.25. Now, here's a problem, right? VIX bottoms at 16.25, looking pretty good, right? Uh, Sebastian points out we're now looking at a very different trend. So the S and P hit new all-time highs earlier this month. It's now offensively flat over the last month. Smooth that out, okay? Meanwhile, the volatility index has moved up more than five points at the same period of time. So you see the blue line and the flat line, okay? Flat market, rising volatility. That's the current pattern, and for Sebastian, it's not a good sign. A flat market with a rising VIX is exactly what you see at the beginning of what's known as a volatility swell. Let's get these terms up. There are two kinds of situations where the VIX moves higher. First, you've got the garden variety volatility spike where the market drops, the VIX pops, and then we quickly recover. Signal buying opportunity. Then there's a volatility swell, according to Sebastian. This is when the VIX rises for an extended period of time, usually two to six weeks, and the market has a genuine correction. That's not a fun experience. One example, all right, check out the action in the September and the SP 500 and the VIX from last August through last November. All right, now. Uh, that's what we had the last volatility swell. Starting in mid-August, here we go, starting in mid-August, the S&P up here began to rally alongside the Remember, alongside the S&P. Remember, when they both go up at the same time, that tells you the rally is in jeopardy. So this goes up, this goes up. Sure enough, the S&P fell off a cliff. This shouldn't be going up. And the VIX exploded higher off a cliff, up higher. After that initial beatdown, we had a series of wild moves until some positive vaccine news in early November gave the market a new lease of life. Okay, so we go up there. But things got really ugly last September and October. So now let's shoot back to this. Unfortunately, the action we're seeing right now reminds Sebastian of what happened early in the volatility swell last August. He thinks a less extreme version, even as the pattern remains the same. Now look at what's happened over the last month and a half when the S and P rallied from mid-April through the beginning of May. The VIX also moved up from 16.25 to 18.25. Rally. Hmm. Very bad sign, right? S and P going up, fewer gauge rise in tandem. We're getting used to it, right? That's not good. We then got a big VIX spike, okay, uh, when the market rolled over. That makes sense. Uh, and the volatility index has remained pretty elevated since then, including another big jump to 21 at the end of today's trading session. Put it all together, and Sebastian doesn't think we'll precisely repeat what happened from the la- from late last October through late uh, uh, through last October. I'm sorry Through late last October, from last August to late last October, but given the the action in the volatility index, he's betting the meltdown that began on May 10th might not be over. Okay, so now we're talking about this one. This may not be over. In fact, when all is said and done, Sebastian expects the market will test last week's low. Okay, so we can get that. Expect that to go down here. That said, he's also betting that the carnage will be over by July. And so all I know, the bottom line is that the charges interpreted by Mark Sebastian suggest that the next month and a half could be a pretty rough uh, time for the stock market. You may think we're out of the woods, but the fear Gage says otherwise. Definitely something to keep an eye on. Although I have to tell you, I expect the days going into Memorial Day to be seasonally strong and make, make some money on the long side then. David in Arizona. David. Hi, Jim. Thank you for taking my call. Quite welcome. Um, The stock I would
1: like your perspective on today is Unity software, ticker symbol U. Uh, Unity reported last week and beat on their earnings and guided revenue growth higher for the year. However, it appears that there is a sector rotation out of tech and growth stocks. Unity has fallen significantly from its 52 week high of around $175 a share and been trading in the high 70s and $80 range recently. Should I add Unity to my
3: portfolio now? Okay, Unity now? is what I call a wood stock, a Kathy Wood name. She's been buying it very aggressively. Her uh, ETF for the last two days has been very strong, uh, believe it or not. But this crazy market might uh, allow that company to do well because Kathy's buying it. I know that seems strange. The quarter was very good. It's just that the market, as you quite said, quite, rap- uh, quite correctly said, doesn't like these kinds of stocks. But that said, it's got the wood blessing for a couple of days, probably goes higher. Buckle up. Today, Tonight's chartist thinks we could be in for a little bit of trouble. He says the market could test no, new lows, but that the carnage will likely be over by July. Now, much more mad money ahead. Could diamonds be an investor's best friend? I'm sitting down with the CEO of Signet to find out. Plus, with the accounting noise behind it, is it worth considering plug power? I'm talking with the CEO after today's move higher. And all your calls rapid fire in tonight's edition of the Lightning Round. So stay with Kramer. Even in a great market for retailers, some companies stand out. Companies like Signet Jewelers, that's the world's largest retailer of diamond jewelry. You know them as Kay Jewelers, Zales, Jared, Pearson Pagoda, they're big in London, they're big in Canada. After spending years in the doghouse, Signet finally got its house in order and started turning around about a year and a half ago. Then COVID hit and the stock pulled all the way back to five bucks and change at the lows. Since then, it's had an incredible run, surging more than tenfold to $62 and change. When Signet held its investor day last month, the company pre-announced some spectacular for the first quarter. Management also raised their full-year forecast. This is a company that's firing on all cylinders, even as its stock pulled back 4% today. But it was light like five, no apparent reason. Tonight, we learned Signet's next step. This company's expanding its third-party credit programs with Alliance Data Systems, Genesis Financial Solutions, also to go with a buy-now-pay-later champion Affirm that we owned last week. So could this thing have more upside? Let's check in with Trina Drozos. She's the bankable CEO of Signatures, Get a better sense of where her company's headed. Ms. Drozos, welcome back to Man Money.
6: Great to be here, Jim. Thank you.
3: All right, well, Jenna, first, tremendous success with Path to Brilliance. Now we're in Inspiring Brilliance. When I think of Inspiring Brilliance, I have to tell you, I am more impressed of all the things than your with your omni-channel digital program, which for jewelry I didn't even think could exist. And I want you to tell our viewers how you came up with this, because, boy, was it a savior, and it is really, really kicking butt now, even though the pandemic's winding down.
6: Well, it has gone really well for us, Jim. Before we started the Path to Brilliance transformation, we had only about 5% of our sales in e-commerce. We were behind the jewelry category average at about 15%. And we said we would triple and get at least to the category average uh, through our transformation. We actually did better than that. We got over 20%, even with all stores open in the back half of last year so, quadrupling. And really, uh, big credit to our team. We, uh, we cracked the code on what it takes um, to help customers feel comfortable buying jewelry online, which is consultation, getting expert advice. We now have over 700 virtual sellers who are dedicated to doing that online chat, uh, great technology supporting it. And we also have visualization, virtual try-on, uh, you know, pictures of our jewelry on people. So, uh, so customers can tell what they're getting. And I think it's made a big difference.
3: The other thing, I mean, uh, you know, a lot of times I'll deal with these retailers. They'll say, why don't you come up with a company side so division where you let people wear the stuff and then they can bring it back whenever, like rent the runway. I mean, these companies that then turn out to be worth billions of dollars. This, I love this. That We haven't talked together since this rock box. I think this sounds like a great idea.
6: Yeah, thanks. Um, I really believe that we can be a leader in this circular economy. More and more customers, especially Gen Z customers who are right at that uh, self-expression age, leading toward uh, marriage age, so interested ultimately in an engagement ring, they're very interested in recycling and sustainability. And Signet has long been a leader in responsible sourcing, but the acquisition of Roxbox gives us another way to really reinforce that message.
3: Well, that. Uh, reminds me, at the beginning of your call, you talked about India. Are you guys okay there? And what are you doing to help the people who are uh, people who work with you in India?
6: Well, we're very concerned uh, about our partners there and the safety and health of all of the people who work in those companies. Um, Just as we've been very concerned from the beginning, our number one priority um, for all of our Signet employees has been their health and safety. We've been partnering with our vendors, getting our orders in earlier, helping them with planning, things that allow them to be more flexible in how they're planning their production cycles, which then allows them to make sure that they're keeping their people safe uh, with social distancing and things like that.
3: All right, good. Now, I want to go back to the data analytics that people need to, to so that people know uh, that you are not just selling jewelry. You're matching what people might want. Data-driven, data analytics, Amazon Web Services, Accenture, uh, using digital, uh, digital advertising, cutting the budget of TV in half. All these things are happening in real time right now. What are they doing for you?
6: Well, it's really made us a much more modern company. When I think back three years and and how different we are today, I'd say there are three key differences. One is our culture. We really have embraced the idea of an agile and efficient culture, so evolving and continuing to improve things in real time. And we're unified by our purpose, which is to inspire love. And what greater purpose could there be than that? We're also much more data-driven in every part of our business. One example is inventory. We've improved our working capital uh, significantly. And in fact, we ended last fiscal year with 1.2 billion in cash, which has given us flexibility to invest, uh, which has been just really fantastic. And the third is what you said, Jim, it's our digital capabilities. And it really is touching every part of our business from how we communicate with our customers, how we provide them the right content to help them in their decision-making at the right time. So our our marketing mix for sure, But, uh, but it really also has been and creating a great experience for them seamlessly between stores and
3: online. One last question. I know when we first met, I was very concerned, and you said you'd delay my fears, about the way that credit was offered by Signet. That Signet was too much of a bank, not enough of a jeweler. You did announce a, a multi-year renewal agreement with Alliance Data. You're also working with the firm. A lot of people like buy now, pay later. How do you feel about where the company is just in terms of making it so that people can get jewelry at an inexpensive price, and you're a jeweler, and they are people shopping for jury
6: well, we've evolved substantially and always with a customer-first mindset. We offer a variety of tools to help customers um, finance jewelry, pay for jewelry, however they want to, whatever is right for them. We do have a firm. That's a very modern option, very popular among millennial and Gen Z customers. In fact, 60% of the customers who choose that split pay option, which can be 3, 6, or 12 months, are in that age group. We also announced today the extension and broadening of our strategic partnership with ADS and Genesis for our private label credit card. What this does is really make all of our financing available across all of our different banners, so it's no longer different between Zales and K, and also it makes everything available online. It's also really good for investors too, Jim, because extending the strategic partnership gives us stability. And we right. did it very cost-effectively.
3: Yeah, because we want to focus on all the great things you're doing to please customers. And now we don't have to worry about this. And that's perfect, because it's working for you and working for shareholders. Gina Drozos, congratulations on everything you said you would do and then did and then some. CEO of Signature's. Great work. Good to have you. Thank you so much. Unsung and inexpensive. That's Gina Drossos, and that's Signature's. Ned Money's back in the break. Just chill out. Just Chill Master J? The Chill Man is in the house. He's happy. The lightning round is coming up when Mad Money returns. It is time. It's time for the lightning round. one Bye bye. Bye. And then the lightning round is over. Are you ready? Ski. That's the lightning round. It's time for the Rob. I'm watching Rob. Yeah, booyah, Jim. Booyah, Rob. Number five from the Okanagan Highlands. Excellent.
0: Hey, this evening, I'd like to go ahead and get your input on a company I've been watching. Took a short uh, stake in them. And uh, I'd like to see about Harvard Bioscience. Harvard Bioscience, had
3: a, they had a good quarter. And, and it's better than expected. And it's not a, a very, you know, it's a very low uh, capitalization stock, only $292 billion. I think it's a decent spec. Let's put it that way. Let's go to Craig in Kansas. Craig. Yes. Yeah. Uh, thank you for taking my call, Jim. I'm interested in One Oak, uh, OKE, okay, and I'm interested in you if you would think it's worth buying. I happen to like One Oak. It's one of those. It's still almost yields about 7%. They are just very conservative company. They've done a very good job. The whole uh, whole complex of pipelines is moving up. Why? Because you don't think that anyone will be allowed to build new pipelines with the new president. So I think you've got a good one there, if not a great one. Ethan in California, Ethan. Hey, Jim, how are you? I am good. How about you? I'm
4: fantastic, man. I'm so excited to be on here. I'm a first-time caller. Excellent. So I've recently been buying uh, Ammo Incorporated, the ticker is POW. This stock kind of piqued my interest because uh, they just recently uh, merged with Dunboker.com.
3: Right. Any thoughts? You know, i got to study this one because the ones that I've been looking at that are uh, that are bullet-oriented have been pretty good stocks. Uh, I like to hunt, so I mean, like, I'm looking at this stuff. Uh, let me come back on that one, though, because that one I'm not familiar with, and I don't want to opine because maybe, who knows, with some of these, got to really stay close to them. How about Samir in California? Samir.
4: Hi, Jim. Hi. And thank you so much for your show. I've been watching it since 2006. Oh, uh, you're terrific. Thank, thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Huh? My question to you about is Riot blockchain, uh ticker symbol RFIs? Well, Riot blockchain
3: is just a proxy, frankly, for Bitcoin. Uh, MicroStrategy is kind of similar. If you think Bitcoin's going up, you buy Riot blockchain. If you don't, then you, then you sell Riot blockchain. I wish there was more to it than that, I have to tell you, because they were currencies. I bought them, I've sold almost all of them, except for my cost basis. So, from what it, you know, if you had my, I remember I bought them as a currency, I can't own stocks. Uh, you would see that I decided to take the money and run by a, a super duty for my wife and a farm. Not so bad. Let's go to Katie in New York. Katie. Hi, Jim. Hi,
0: Katie. I would like to thank you for your help all these years. Oh, uh, you're terrific. It. Thank you. I now would like to please know a little bit about Viacom. Okay.
3: okay, well, people okay. think Viacom because of what's happening with ATT and uh, your Discovery, they feel like something has to happen with Viacom. This is time-honored. All these media people, this like the chatter so much, it revolts me. I got to tell you, here's what's going to happen with Viacom. I mean, they're just going to struggle, and, and you, know, they got to, you, know, you need another Archegos. We need another darn stupid fund manager who's considered to be brilliant by really rich people because he's rich, who can fool a lot of people to take the stock up to 90 and then get clobbered, and I don't know how many others left uh, recently least for the next couple of days. Let's go to Keith in Texas. Keith. Fire! Wow. Hey, Jimmy Tils. Uh, uh, thanks so much for taking my call. That's my almost five-year-old Dylan. He watches with me every day. I like that hey, kid. He's got horse the- sense. Hey, with, with, with Biden in the White House, I was wondering hey, uh, what you think about Montrose Environmental Group, made. The landfill. The landfill business has gotten to be a great business again. And I tell you, this is a little speculative name, but I have to say I like the waste business. So I think you're going to do okay. And I like the five-year-old. The kid stays in the picture. Let's go to Mike in New York. Mike. Booyah. Do me chill. Yo, chill man here. What's up?
4: I got a stock for you. It's a gaming accessories company. Trades about 10 times earnings. Improved guidance for this year and engages with their customers better than most companies. The stock ticker is here. The company is Turtle Beach Corp. Wanted to get your uh,
3: Everybody loves Turtle Beach, but I got to tell you, uh, I am so convinced that Logitech is going to do better than, than Turtle Beach that I am not walking away from L-O-G-I. And that, of course, is Bracken Dowell. comes on the show. and he does a great job. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is the conclusion of the Lightning Round.
5: The Lightning Round. Is sponsored by TD Ameritrade. Coming up, addressing serious investor concerns. Can this company power their way to a clean future? Plug Power joins Kramer next.
3: Is it finally safe to speculate on the hydrogen fuel cell stocks again? Oh, they've been pummeled. Take Plug Power, which makes fuel cells for forklifts, among other ways, to uh, other vehicles, including stationary power. After a very bullish interview last summer, we turned positive on this stock for the first time in years the time, it was 9 bucks. Then the whole cohort caught fire. Plug Power finished the year at $34, for surging to $75 as part of the speculative mania in late January. Since then, though, Plug Power has plunged back to earth, falling all the way to $27 as of today. Some of that's because Wall Street turned against all the high-flying speculative names. Some of it's also because Power, Plug Power had some accounting issues that delayed the annual report and forced restatements for the past few years of results. Now, you know my rule. Accounting irregularities equal sell. I figured this wouldn't be much of a problem because if it's a non-cash issue, but it also told you to wait until the coast was clear before circling back. Finally, on Friday, the company restated its results and filed its annual report with only minimal changes. Since then, the stocks rebounded 23%, including a monster 8% run today. So is it time to circle back to this one, or do they already just had the big move as a relief rally? Let's dig deeper with Andy Marsh, the president CEO of Plug Power, to find out more about what's going on here. Mr. Marsh, welcome back to Mad Money. Well, Thank you for having me, Jim. Okay, so Andy, you know my rules, and I've communicated to you both privately and publicly. Accounting irregularities equal sell. Why is this accounting irregularity something that we should not be worried about going forward?
4: Well, Jim, I think for first, uh, like you, I've taken this accounting irregularity series. But that being said, the future of this company is extremely bright. The company going to achieve $475 million in revenue this year. But we're doing that with people like Amazon, Walmart, uh, our JV with Renault, which will get closed by the end of the second quarter. Our activities with SK, the second largest conglomerate in South Korea, which invested $1.6 billion in plug power. Now, the future is quite bright, Jim, and that's what I think uh, separates plug power. I take what happened serious, but I understand that... Uh, the company continues to move forward and nothing has changed over these expectations we've had for the company today and tomorrow.
3: But there was an audit issue. The uh, auditor from KPMG did not. New Order did not approve of what KPMG previously had approved. So how did you uh, get that aligned so, with KPMG and the SEC that so, so that there was no cash outlay? It was not like your cash diminished. And you're able to, be, to file in what I think was a pretty short period of time, having known what these things are like.
4: Well, Jim, when we worked with the auditors, we made sure we worked closely to make sure all the issues were identified. Our county team worked with them. We're strengthening our accounting team so they can never happen again. And uh, we kept close touch with the SEC to make sure they were
3: aware of what we were working on. All right. Now, I just (laughs) I got to point this one out. March 28th, Wall Street Journal talks about how you had three years of sales with Amazon and essentially gave away all your product and had the equivalent of negative sales, less than zero. Correct analysis of what occurred?
4: Well, Jim, I think you have to look at, uh, uh, ironically, if the stock price would have stayed down, we wouldn't have had had the huge Amazon warrant write-offs. It's been our success. And the warrants were a zero cash issue. And on a gross billings issue, gross billings for 2020, we achieved over $235 million. And by clearing the Amazon warrants out, our income statements become much easier to read in the future, okay. including 2021, the first quarter.
3: Very good. Now, you were supposed to be in South Korea today. Is there anything wrong with South Korea? <laughs> uh, Jim,
4: uh, uh, my COVID test uh, uh, was was not accepted at the airport, so uh, I had a delay. So I've been on the so I've been working the phones with South Korea over the last two days. Gotcha. I plan to go there in the new, okay. near future. Uh, federal loan guarantee, big for you? Federal loan guarantee will be very helpful in building out our green hydrogen plants. We'll have two operating by the end of 2022, and we've identified three locations. And the federal loan
3: guarantee will help us uh, grow more rapidly and even build more plants. The Renault deal, possibility that you could have up to 20 percent of this uh, market for smaller vehicles in Europe? I think uh, the number you have is low, Jim. Uh, Renault is saying 30 percent. All right. Well, that is very aggressive, but let's hope you get that. Repl- uh, replace diesel generators, standalone prospects? We're 400 megawatts
4: by 2025 with SK in South Korea. Uh, lots going on here in the state with data centers. Uh, size of this Niagara Falls plant? 45 tons a day. Uh, Jim, that's the equivalent to... 90,000 gallons of gasoline. It'll be the largest green hydrogen plant in the world. Ten prospects, ten new customers rather soon? Ten new customers rather soon.
3: I expect you'll be hearing more announcements during the year. With uh, Department of Energy and Biden's help, possibility of subsidies that would make it so that you are cheaper than gasoline? Oh, you know, there's uh, the Heinrich bill that's in from New Mexico,
4: $3 kilogram credit which is equivalent to two gallons of gasoline for green hydrogen. Similar activities built by Carper, markups
3: in ways and means, Biden build back better, all support green hydrogen. All right, Andy, look, I'm glad you came on. A gentleman does come on like you did. You got that solved. And then I gave all the good things that are happening because you know how much I believe in green hydrogen. And you are the king of green hydrogen in this country. Andy Marks, Plug Power President and CEO. Thank you for coming on Mad Money. Thanks, Jim. Good to see you. All right. I like to say there's always a bull market somewhere. And I promise I'll to, to find it just for you right here on Mad Money. I'm Jim Cramer. See you tomorrow.
2: This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you, like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you.